Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 392. You know, while there's no cruises going on, social media has been abuzz with basically anything you could possibly throw at it, including unconfirmed speculation about cruise ships. And I've heard a lot of them over the last couple of months, number of months, year even. And on this week's episode, I'm going to break down the unconfirmed cruise ship rumors that get repeated all the time by cruise fans. Here we go. So this week, I wanted to talk about something that always gets me either rolling my eyes, shaking my fist angrily, or grinding my teeth as I read unfounded speculation that people pass off as basically facts now. Whereas, you know, it's not just that they're rumors. People really, truly believe this. And the issue is, you know, what one person's guess turns into this assumption that is going to be the case. And listen, sometimes guesses are right, but in a lot of cases, they're not. But more importantly... Spreading guesses as fact is a mistake because it's misleading a lot of people out there. And there's a lot of different opinions going on right now about where cruising is going, where it'll be, what will or will not be implemented. And I get that. It's ripe discussion. There's plenty of these kind of discussions on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards. And having seen plenty of these quote unquote predictions passed around as truth, I thought that it was important to talk about because, of course, there's something called the illusory truth effect, which is the tendency to believe false information to be correct after repeated exposure. And there is belief in many circles that this is the case when it comes to cruises. Cruises will be shut down for at least a year. We already know that. It's going on through you know, May and now at this point. So I get it. Rosy optimism is not to be expected. Uh, far from it, right? But it is important to remember that the, inf- the certain information has been confirmed, whereas other information is speculated to be the case. So This week, I wanted to talk again about some of these rumors that have been out there and also share my thoughts on it as well. First off, let's talk about the big one, which is that you're going to need a vaccine to go on a cruise. Let me be clear. Royal Caribbean has not said anything about this, but ever since the vaccine has become a reality, many people think cruise lines will require them in order to get on board the ship. Despite the fact that Royal Caribbean and any other major cruise lines have not announced any such policy, a lot of people believe that Royal Caribbean and other cruise lines will mandate that vaccines will be needed. Now, there was one cruise line already that we know about in the UK, Saga Cruises, that will require it. But Saga Cruises is a very minor cruise line, and they only allow uh, senior citizens to be on board their ship. So it's not exactly apples to apples there. Royal Caribbean Group Chairman and CEO Richard Fain kind of danced around the topic a little bit, and Norwegian Cruise Line Holding CEO Frank Del Rio also said they were looking into it, but in the meantime, nothing has been confirmed on that front. Do I think it's going to happen or not? I could see it happening. I could also see it the decision being made for the cruise line, whether or not the CDC will require it, kind of doubt that, uh, or perhaps some of the islands may simply require it, and you know, Royal Caribbean saying, hey, listen, this is what you have to do in order to get on. It's not our policy. It's the island's policy. Who knows? But I think at this point here, as we record this episode for early February, you know, the rollout of the vaccine is still a long ways away to get critical mass. Right. And you've got the business practices augmented with, of course, the science behind it and the health global health behind it. When you look at all this, you have to remember, number one, of course, is, you know, unlike, say, masks, social distancing, limited capacity, things that can be implemented relatively easily by the cruise line. Now you're talking about a policy that's required by the guests to undertake. And at this stage, it seems unclear. And I'm not even sure if it's likely. Again, I'm a terrible predictor of these things, but I don't see it happening anytime soon where they're going to require it. Again, I could be totally wrong on this. But in the meantime, nothing's been decided on this. So 
The idea that they will or they will not is just simply speculation. So keep that in mind. Next, back-to-back cruises won't be allowed. I I don't know where this comes from, actually. But ever since the U.S. Centers for Disease Control released its rules as part of the framework for conditional sailing order, there's been concern about consecutive cruises that would be banned. Now, this rumor that back-to-back cruises won't be allowed, I think, comes from one of the rules the CDC put down, which is that cruises may not exceed seven nights. So some people, I think, have been led to believe, ah, can't do a back-to-back cruise. Except back-to-back cruises are two different cruises. And nowhere in the conditional sail order or in Royal Caribbean's protocols by the Healthy Sail Panel is there any mention of a back-to-back consecutive cruise, anything like that. There's been nothing written, anything related to that. Now, I have heard that there's evidently some travel agent out there who's maybe said that another cruise line mentioned something like that. But again, I have not seen anything written down by any cruise line preventing that. After all, different sailings are treated as different sailings in the same way that when you book a back-to-back cruise, there's no back-to-back cruise discount. Royal Caribbean and any cruise line just like, oh, thanks for booking two cruises. The fact that they happen to be consecutive is merely a coincidence. But yeah, there's nothing related to the the idea that back-to-back sailings will not be allowed. And so keep that in mind uh, going forward. I don't think anything's going to change regarding that. I mean, it's just too hard to to police, quite frankly, because again, the systems aren't set up that way. Consecutive sailings are just two sailings that are next to each other. Uh, it's, it's not something that, I mean, the, we're talking number one about the CDC, who, by the way, in the conditional sail order, talks about cruises in length of days, not nights, which is a giant sign of ignorance about how cruises work. But beyond that fact, I just don't think anybody in the CDC is really thinking about consecutive cruises. It's such a minor small percentage thing that occurs, it's not a big factor. And at the end of the day, if the protocols that are implemented for a sailing work, they're going to work for consecutive cruises as well. So, and don't forget, of course, crew members are on board for consecutive cruises. So the whole idea to me seems silly, but you know, it's one of those things that gets put out there. So keep that in mind. Now, something that it gets put out there a lot are pessimistic predictions on when cruise ships might sail again. And listen, I talked about this at the beginning of the episode, No one knows what the future may hold, right? We've all been over this. And in the absence of cruises, plenty of cruise fans have taken and making predictions about when cruises might actually restart again. We All we've seen for the better part of a year now is cancellations after cancellations after cancellations. So it is very natural to think, you know what? I think there's going to be more cancellations. And like many of these rumors, instead of including the words, I think... Before someone shares a guess, random dates are presented as fact. And people saying, oh, they're definitely going to cancel, you know, these dates and this dates. And of course, people repeat that and they assume that's the case. But similar to how the stock market goes down when bad news comes out or predictions of when cruises might restart tend to have an optimistic or pessimistic take depending on what else is happening around the world. Let's face it. When there's good news going on with related to maybe vaccines or COVID numbers, you see a lot more optimism out there. But when there's bad news in the news, well, everything else kind of comes down with it. So nobody knows yet when cruises will restart. That's very much clear. And I would be uh, I would be naive of me for me to sit here and tell you guys, oh, no, they'll definitely have cruises, you know, May 1 or whenever the you know first available date is for cruises to begin. I think that's a little silly. But I do believe also that it's just as likely for cruises to eventually restart than not to. And I'll be honest with you guys, looking here, again, I'm not a good predictor, but sitting here in February, looking forward to the rest of the year, I do believe there will be cruises in 2021. I could be wrong on that, but that's my guess at this point. And speaking of canceled cruises, the next thing that gets repeated a lot is guesses when the next round of cancellations will happen. 
If cruise fans are not guessing when cruises might restart, the next thing they're doing is guessing when the next round of cancellations will be announced. In a very similar way, people say, oh, they're going to cancel cruises, you know, after five o'clock on Friday when the stock market's closed, which, by the way, there is no correlation that I have determined between when cancellations are announced and any kind of schedule. They just kind of come out whenever they come out, whenever someone makes the decision. But I've seen people posting on social media that cancellations will be expected on Fridays after 5 p.m., before 9 a.m., or when the moon's aligned with Jupiter. But just like cruise ships resuming cruises, no one knows. Yeah, there's no indication of when new cancellations come out. Now, there is one little way to kind of have an idea, and that's when another cruise line announces cancellations. Typically, when Carnival or Norwegian announce cancellations first, you can pretty much expect Royal Caribbean to follow suit. Now, that trend may eventually stop, but in the last year or so, that has definitely been the case in terms of you know more cancellations. I would not read into too much other cruise lines, especially some of the luxury lines out there. They're in a vastly different market, and even though they may be owned by Norwegian or Carnival, they're, they're not exactly apples to apples with Royal Caribbean, and in a lot of cases, their timeline is completely different because it's based on completely different mechanisms. So keep that in mind as we look out there. But that's what I wanted to share this week about some of the crazy things I keep reading over and over and over again. Again, there's nothing wrong with sharing ideas and guesses, but the key is to present it as ideas and guesses, not, oh yeah, for sure. I know what this. I have inside information about this, which nobody does, by the way. You know, it's just, it, it's silly, but it, it leads to the propagation of rumors and speculation becoming quote unquote truth, which obviously is a problem. And I have a you know, a lot of time spent trying to debunk all that stuff. So there you go. Hope you found this helpful. And uh, maybe next time you read one of these posts, you'll say to yourself, uh, and maybe the people on the post, actually, we don't know that's the case at all. So there you go. Win for the world out there. Well, it's time to answer some of your listener emails. All confirmed information here. No rumors. Well, actually, sometimes there will be rumors. But I promise to mention if it is a rumor and speculation here when I answer these questions. And, of course, if you want to email me your questions, you can do so by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is from my good friend Robert Jaworski from Australia who writes, uh, Hey, Matt, thanks for all the great content and keeping our cruise dreams alive. We finally book cruises where we'll visit Perfect Day at Coco Key on two occasions and can't wait. This will be in early 2022, which seems forever, but coming from Australia, we wouldn't want to risk a 2021 Caribbean sailing and already booked a Trans-Pacific, supposedly leaving September out of Honolulu, but we doubt if we'll go ahead under the current CDC rules, not to mention the Australian government not letting us out of the country. Looking at the cruise planner for Coco Key, our heads are spinning with so much to do. I was hoping you could do an episode explaining the various areas, what to expect, and activities. We're thinking of a cabana at Coco Beach Club, and then on the second leg, a cabana at a water park. Also... Thinking of doing the zipline and air balloon, is it silly a waste of time with limited time on the island to pay for a cabana and book and queue for an activity like ziplining? Also, we're in our early 50s and traveling by ourselves and so no kids. Is the Thrill Water Park really for kids and possibly a waste for us, or should we look at Chill Island instead? The park looks amazing. We love water slides, except perhaps the tallest one. Let's see. If it was just you and your wife, would you do the water park? Wow, great question. Um, I, I love the idea of doing the episode about, you know, breaking down Coco Key in the areas. We may do that when cruises actually do resume. It's a great idea. Thank you, Robert. Um, so let's start with the, I always start with the end of the episode, the end of the question and work backwards. For some reason it works in my mind. So I don't know, but would me and my wife do the water park on our own without kids? Absolutely. If you've never done it before, it is worth doing. It's not kitty slides. I mean, there are kitty slides there as well, but it is well worth it. If you're going to do the water park though. I would recommend getting a cabana in the water park and not a water, not a cabana outside the water park. So the 
They do offer cabanas in the water park, which, by the way, do include admission to the water park. If you're going to get a cabana, if you like the idea of a cabana, it's way better to have it in through a water park than to do it outside. The reason being logistics. Otherwise, you're just going to be hiking back and forth. But having a cabana in the water park makes it so much worth it. If you're doing the water park, I don't recommend doing anything else. You're just going to be busy doing all the slides. I mean, yeah, you can do it. There is time to do other things. But I feel like if you got the cabana, you're going to enjoy the cabana. Now, if you're saying, Matt, I want to do everything, then I would say forgo the cabana and instead just find a chair somewhere and then just do all the things, the water park, the zip line, the hot air balloon. I mean, you've been running ragged. I mean, you're going to be doing a lot of stuff. I imagine your day would be getting up early, hitting the slides early in the morning, you know, then going to the wave pool, doing the zip line, back to the wave pool, doing the hot air balloon, coming back for probably a nap, I would imagine, on one of those chairs. Um, it, my concern with some of these plans, I understand you want to do it all, but you're trying to work a lot in, and it's going to either render yourself ragged, but more importantly, you're not going to have time to really sit there and, and smell the flowers, so to speak. So my recommendation to you is, if it were me, if you want to do the cabana, if you're saying, Matt, I definitely want to do the cabana, I would do through a water park cabana, and then I would just obviously go to through a water park, and that would be it. I wouldn't do the zip line and hot air balloon unless you're just a busybody and the idea of sitting around in your cabana doesn't make any sense to you, but then why are you getting a cabana in the first place? You know what I mean? But on the other side of it, you're saying, you know what, Matt? We'll save the water slides. Maybe we'll come back another day. Then, yeah, get the get the cabana elsewhere on the island and then working in the zip line and hot air balloon, not bad. I've done both. The hot air balloon is, I mean, depending on how long the line is. I mean, you get reserved times, obviously, but you know how long you're waiting on the ground. I mean, it, it, we're talking about half an hour. Zip line among the same amount of time. So it's not like this is like a half-day experience by any means. It's just time away doing other things. And it can also get very warm while you're waiting for those kinds of things. So my advice also for doing the zip line or the hot air balloon is maybe do that either at the end of your day or in the beginning of the day. Um, so that way you can, you know, if it's at the end, you can just straight back to the ship after that or I don't know what. But um you know, it's something to work in, but I think if you're trying to do the water park and the zipline and the air balloon, uh, that's a bridge too far, I feel. So hopefully, Robert, that answers your question there. Let's go to our next email, and it is from uh, Aaliyah, who writes, been binge listening to the podcast since February, and I'm finally caught up on current episodes. Now, it's hard to have to wait every week for a new episode. Anyways, my family and I went on our first cruise in Liberty this season, July 2018, where we got married. My daughter's favorite thing about the cruise was every morning having movies on the pool deck. She could swim and watch a movie. It was great. We're booked on Symphony of the Seas for September 21, but my husband and I went on Symphony on October 19, so I know that Symphony has no screen by the pool deck. I'm looking forward to booking our next cruise for 2022, and I'm curious which ships have movies on the pool deck. After listening to your podcast, I want to try Mariner, Independence, or Navigator. Can you tell me if those ships have movies on the pool deck and which would you choose? Leah, thanks for the email. And yes, all three of those ships do have the uh, screen, the movie screens by the pool deck. In fact, they all do except for the Oasis class. Uh, I don't think any ship is left in the fleet now that Majesty and Empress are gone that don't have a, a movie screen. I'm pretty sure they may have had them anyway, so it's irrelevant. Anyway, yes, uh, you're, you're covered with Mariner, Independence, or Navigator. Which would I pick? Uh, I love Navigator. It's my second favorite ship behind Harmony, so I'd pick Navigator. And then flip a coin between Mariner and Independence. I mean, they're very, they're more similar than anything else. Um, you know, you get a little longer sailings than Independence, but yeah, I would, if you got to pick between the three, I would pick Navigator of the Seas, and hopefully you'll you and your daughter will enjoy a great cruise on there. Next up, we have an email from uh, Larry Abbott, who writes, Hi, Matt. Hope you and your family are well. My wife and I are insiders. Thank you. And just booked a cruise on Oasis of the Seas out in New Jersey. Can you recommend a hotel near the port? 
I recommend actually not staying at a hotel near the port. I'll be perfectly honest with you. There are hotels sort of near the port. They're more in Newark airport area. I don't recommend them. If you're flying in, you know, your flight gets in, I don't know, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, the night before your cruise. Okay, fine. Stay at a hotel near the airport, Newark airport, not Newark, the city. There is a difference. Um, if you're coming in earlier than that and or you definitely want to do some touristy stuff in New York, you want to stay in Manhattan. Whenever I go, I always stay in Manhattan because it's just far easier to go and do and see things than trying to commute back and forth between New Jersey and the city. For that reason, I think it's a better idea. Now, to mention the fact you're not saving that much money, if at all, by staying in New Jersey. A lot of people assume that, oh, if we're staying in New Jersey, we're going to save a lot more money compared to spending money for those hotels in Manhattan. Certainly, a hotel in New York is going to cost way more. You would think that. Maybe if you book at the last minute, that's the case. But at any rate, it's actually not. In a lot of cases, the price difference is negligible or the same staying in Manhattan or New Jersey. Now, yes, you'll pay a little bit more in terms of commuting, you know, getting from the city to the port on the day of your cruise. I don't think it's really a big deal, but there is that factor. But I think that if you're going to do tourist stuff, you want to go see the sites in New York, you absolutely positively want to stay in Manhattan. It's just well worth it. When it comes to booking hotels, whether we're talking about Newark or we're talking about Manhattan, you know, play the game, uh, book refundable hotel rates, no matter what, unless you find like a steal of a deal and you know it, just keep booking refundable rates. I remember for the Anthem of the Seas group cruise we did in July of 2019, I ended up, I think, moving between over the course of many months, you know, we ended up booking, I think, four or five different hotels because every couple of weeks we find a better deal that's out there. And the nice thing is a lot of hotels have, again, refundable rates. So book the refundable ones, can you know, cancellation without any penalty. And that way, if you find a better deal, you can keep moving up and changing up and it's well worth it. But I think you're going to find if you play that game, you will see better prices or basically the same prices, if anything, uh, at in Manhattan for that reason. But again, if you're flying in the night before and you just need a bed to sleep on, sure, I guess stay in a one of the airport hotels near Newark Airport. There's a lot of them. There's the, the hotels near the airport in Newark are fine. If you're staying in Newark, you've got you know, like a 15 minute commute, you'll still need a taxi. You're not walking to the port by any means, but it's a lot. You don't have to deal with any of the bridge and tunnel traffic coming from Manhattan. Um, but yeah, so hopefully that answers your question there, Larry. It's a good question. Glad you sent it in. Our next email comes to us. Oh, we got another hotel question. It is from Renee. Any suggestions for a decent Fort Lauderdale airport hotel? Good question, Renee. When it comes to Fort Lauderdale, Miami, I'll be honest with you guys, even Port Canaveral, what I do is I go to Priceline.com, I search for the express deals, I put in four stars or higher, and I find something near the area I want to be in. Um, there's a lot of great hotels in and around Fort Lauderdale. There's a ton, actually. And th by putting in four stars, you're you're going to basically guard against getting some real dump. Uh, and number two, by doing the express deals, you're going to get a much better price than if you actually pick out your hotel, generally speaking. I've had pretty good luck with express deals, and it works out. This is when you don't know the name of the hotel you're booking. But again, if you're picking four stars, you're going to be fine because a lot of, I mean, they're not putting in you know dumps and four stars. So for that reason, I go with this, especially in situations where I want to be somewhere like you're, I think where Renee's going, a decent hotel, clean, safe, you know, and you can obviously pick your area, your region, whether you want to be near the beach or downtown or wherever. I don't know. But uh, that's what I would do, especially if you're not really particular about where you're staying. Uh, there is a Embassy Suites in Fort Lauderdale that I do also recommend if you're looking for a more specific recommendation. 
It would be the Embassy Suites by Hilton, Fort Lauderdale, 17th Street. It's very close to the port, and it's a great hotel. A lot of people stay there, and I think for the money, it's probably Embassy Suites. You can't go wrong, right? So that's what I would recommend for you on that one. So thank you for the email. Next, we have an email from Linda. Right, hey, Matt, just I wanted to tell someone who would get it. I YOLO booked it, and I wanted to share my deep gratitude for you and the hard work and perseverance that you have here. After numerous cancellations, my husband's continued desire to go to the ABC Islands. We were booked back-to-back after a lift and shift on Explorer of the Seas out of Puerto Rico in 2022. We were happy about the week we would go to the ABCs, but the other week was filled with places we've been to. Nothing new. Not only that, we couldn't seem to get the same cabin aft balcony on both sailings. And we weren't excited about the superstructure blocking the view from the 7th deck aft balcony junior suites. See, these are the problems you don't dare talk to your friends about during this time of terrible headlines every single day. But then Royal Caribbean announced the Barbados sailings on grandeur. Perfect. And Matt, thank you. Because we had purchased the back-to-back on Freedom and then lift initiatives to do Explorer using fully refundable deposit, we simply canceled that sailing, received $1,000 in deposits back to our credit card, and rebooked on grandeur for February 2022, 14 days in a corner aft balcony junior suite our ideal cabin and itinerary that's fresh and new. And if sailings happen in November with double points, we will be diamond members when we board Grandeur Barbados. These are the things I learned because of your podcast videos and blogs. Super duper grateful, Linda. Linda, thank you so much for the email. That's fantastic. And this is a great example of why I want to focus on the refundable deposits for a second. It is so important. A lot of people say, Matt, what's the point of a refundable deposit? I can just, you know, cancel and with cruise with confidence, you can, but the flexibility, sometimes you change your mind and I'm so guilty of changing my mind all the time. So the flexibility you got there, Linda, by having fully refundable, love it. So glad to hear you turned out a, this is not a bad cruise to a, this is a great cruise idea. I love that. And of course, Linda, I, as you may or may not know, I'm booked on a grand jury this season doing a seven nighter uh, out of Barbados, the first sailing available. And I will definitely be reporting back on that when we get back from that sailing. So hopefully some food for thought for you as uh, as we go into here. And our last question today is going to be coming to us from Rachel, who writes, I have only been on two cruises so far. My third was last March. We all know how that went. But I've learned so much from you and your blog. I do appreciate it. My question is, at the time of our March 2020 cruise, my sons were 22 and 24, and this is going to be our last real family trip. I have cruise credits for four adults and two rooms. However, the longer it takes for cruising to start back up again, the less likely my sons will be able to go. Can we use the credits for someone else or does it have to be used by my sons? Your advice about getting a good travel agency is one of the best advice I can think of. My travel agency has been a nightmare to deal with, so I wish I had known that before. Rachel, I'm so sorry to hear that your travel agency is not treating you well, but uh, using a good travel agent is obviously the key word right there, good. Um, But I hope that you do better next way around. Now, in terms of transferring future cruise credits, unfortunately, you cannot. This is something they haven't changed yet, but... Because your sons are of a certain age and they're in their 20s, you can't transfer. If if the guests, I believe, are like over, I don't remember the age, like 65 or 70, you can transfer FCCs. Um, And if they're below a certain age, like below five or six, you can transfer it. But that obviously doesn't apply here. If the FCC is in their name, Rachel, like it says your son's name, then you're kind of out of luck with this one. Um, Yeah, there's you can't really. I mean, you can call Royal Caribbean. You can say, hey, listen. Uh, you throw yourself on the mercy of the court. You got nothing to lose, everything to gain by doing that. That's a possibility. But according to the rules, you can't. So 
yeah, my only advice to you is either <laughs> is either hope you can find something your 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 boys can go on with you, or maybe find or or again throw your mercy throw yourself on the mercy of the court, give them a good story and hope for the best. Sometimes that does work. It's not a tried and true method, but I have heard of sometimes that being the case. It's just you never know. And now the fact that you can combine FCCs as a part of the um one of the new policies that just got changed. You might have some luck there. Maybe you book a cruise with your sons on there, combine the FCCs, and then hope nobody notices when you when the sons don't show up on the cruise. I don't know. That's another possibility as well. There's some ways to finagle it, I'm sure. But again, uh, a, a good travel agent might be might be helpful. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our sponsor. Emphasis on sponsor, uh, MEI Travel. I use them, but they are a sponsor of, of the podcast. I love them, and I would recommend them as a good travel agent resource as well. So thank you to Rachel. And thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you want to send me your emails, you can do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.